0: If you're a person who finds yourself taking regularly, taking three, four, five medications just to get through your day, just symptom control, right? You're taking some pain medication, some anti-inflammatory, some antihistamine, maybe then you're taking a sleeping pill and that's a sign. So when you're asking, what should people be looking for? That is definitely a sign that something's not in balance, right? And you're not solving any of these problems, right? Continuing to put band-aids on things like that. That's a time to really take a different look.
1: 24 million Americans suffer from an autoimmune condition. That makes up about 7% of the population, and that number is rising. So in today's episode, I interview two guests, Dr. Millie Little, who is a licensed naturopathic doctor, epidemiologist, and nutrition specialist dedicated to innovatively preventing and reversing the epidemic of chronic disease, as well as Dr. Nikki Bundy, who is a licensed board-certified internist and rheumatologist who is passionate about improving care for autoimmune and other chronic diseases. And I thought it would be great to bring both Millie and Nikki onto this episode given their different training backgrounds. it is really important to have a holistic perspective on such a complicated disease that so many are facing and struggling to get diagnosed and properly treated so let's dive right in to the discussion with Millie and Nikki so thank you so much for joining and in honor of autoimmune disease awareness month i really wanted to connect with you both because when i did a poll on instagram around what people wanted to learn about autoimmune diseases came up so much and it was interesting because of course people wanted to know about specific autoimmune conditions but after connecting with you both and doing some research it sounds like we probably need to have a broader conversation of i have these symptoms and i'm not sure what my condition is and how to be treated so before we dive into Trying to help people get answers to these questions. Why don't you start out by giving an introduction and then we can
0: dive right in? Thank you, Georgie. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for this opportunity to talk about this really important topic. I'm Dr. Nicole Bundy. I go by Nikki. And I am a board certified rheumatologist and internist by training. I am currently the uh, medical director at Miami. And uh, we are fighting a great battle to bring lifestyle medicine solutions to people with autoimmunity to help them gain more control over their own symptoms and their health. Thank you. My
2: name is Dr. Millie Lytle and I'm a naturopathic doctor licensed in DC and I have a background in nutrition and public health as well. At Miami, I lead the coaching team and support the delivery of all the care. Um, that we do deliver as well as looking at our real world evidence and our data and working with Nikki on that front.
1: Well, again, thank you so much both for being here. I actually interviewed uh, Meta Derberg, the founder of Miami last year in season two, and it was such an interesting episode. And I knew when the Instagram folks said, I want to hear about autoimmune disease, I reached out to Miami Mm -hmm. and they recommended the two of you and given your different backgrounds, and understanding autoimmune conditions and what you guys are doing at Miami, I thought it'd be so great to have both of you on to really offer um, perspectives to individuals. So first let's talk about how autoimmune disease
0: is on the rise. about 40 years ago, it was clear that autoimmune disease incidence was on the rise and it's estimated now that that occurrence of autoimmune disease is going up three to 9% every year. And that pace is far too rapid to be explained by any kind of genetic shifts, right? I mean, our genes don't just, they just don't change that fast. So it really is one of the big questions. Why are we seeing such an explosion of autoimmunity? And together with the kind of research that came out of Stanford back in 2015, showing how important our environmental factors are, uh, it it starts to, to give us an answer. We are not, eating the same food our ancestors did. We are exposed to innumerable chemicals that you know, even our grandparents weren't exposed to or our parents for that matter. Um, our lives are changing so much, particularly with what we consume, the products we put on our body and use for our laundry and our cleaning that we know now that those things work in conjunction with a genetic predisposition to trigger autoimmunity.
2: You know, it's a very interesting connection between our genetics, the epigenetics, so how our genes respond. And as Nikki was saying, that the exposure that of the massive and rapidly changing environment and our increasing chemical burden, in fact, it's an uncontrolled chemical burden that we're exposed to and the bodies have to process, is related to congenital conditions. So because every, with every generation that we're exposed to increasing amount of toxins, the generation prior had to deal with those, that burden in order for the next generation in order to deal with it, we know that breast milk has dioxins and pesticides and PCBs, chemicals that remain that persist in our bodies even when they're not used anymore in the environment. So um, it's a multi-generational issue and it's a multifactorial causality that we're looking at.
1: I'm wondering if the best way to start is to talk about some of the common symptoms that people are facing and how they can get on this path of figuring out what is going on. And, you know, I don't know if being diagnosed with the specific condition, how, I guess it is important because then you know how you're going to have the treatment, but, you know, it all starts with the symptoms. Like I am a patient, I go to a doctor, I have some things happening with me and how do I figure out what to do and time and time again people it takes years of going to these doctors to figure out the answers so can you maybe start with that patient pathway of what are some of these common symptoms and how they can start figuring out what
0: it might be and some of the challenges they may face. This feeds so well into, I know what we want to talk about. Why does it take so long to be diagnosed? Why are people facing five years, six years, seven years, going to multiple doctors and only then receiving a diagnosis? So I think that that there are a number of reasons for that. But one of the main reasons is because the early symptoms of almost all autoimmunity, n- not every case, but, but so commonly are really vague, right? They can be explained away by, oh, my life because fatigue is probably the most predominant symptom that's common across autoimmune diseases. Well, who isn't fatigued these days, right? And it's easy to explain that away, especially, you know, women make up 80% of people with autoimmunity and right women are doing usually two full-time jobs these days, right? We never give ourselves a break. So between fatigue, headaches, no energy, aches and pains, it's too easy for people to just explain that away and to live with it thinking, well, this is just what it is to be busy and tired and to be getting older, right? So there's one delay. And then maybe they realize well, this isn't normal. So they go to their doctor, but right, without any other specific symptoms, it, it's difficult for a doctor to know. There are no easy blood tests to diagnose autoimmunity. There is no one blood test that a person can do and say, yes, you have autoimmunity, ANA, right? That stands for anti-nuclear antibody. And these are abnormal antibodies that are directed against a person's own cells and tissues. But simply having the presence of an ANA does not mean you have an autoimmune disease. In fact, when I was being taught, the belief was that 5, 10% of people walk around with an ANA, And it means nothing. Well, that's starting to change. Now we know that if you have that ANA, you are more predisposed to in the future getting an autoimmune disease. But again, it's not diagnostic. So I would say one of the most important things for people to realize is that they know their bodies, right? And if you are trying to explain away fatigue that doesn't get better no matter how much sleep you get or aches and pains, that are are not just, oh, a few days and after a hard workout that you need to find a doctor who listens to you. And whether that's a rheumatologist or a gastroenterologist or your internist, a family medicine doctor, somebody who really believes your symptoms and is listening to you and is not going to give up because your first set of labs happens to be pretty normal.
2: Yeah. And the hands of these physicians are tied. They have 15 minutes in their office. And if you don't meet the diagnostic criteria, they can't actually take you on as a patient. And it's, that's just the specific nature of our healthcare system. And so there's Because we're a sick
0: care system, right? Because we're a sick care system. Yeah. And so if you don't meet, like Millie said, these criteria, well, you're not sick. Right. Exactly. So
2: there's a discord between what patients women are experiencing in their everyday life and what's possible in order for a doctor to treat you with. You can't be recommended to go on a biologic medication if you don't meet specific criteria, nor would you want to. And yet there's this massive gap in time where a disease might be developing. I mean, it might be an autoimmune disease. It might be cancer. It could be another metabolic disease, or you might just maintain this kind of Unwell beingness for your entire life, or until something drastic changes, and so there is an entire world of practitioner out there who are looking at prevention. What can we do now on the ground from a practical uh, standpoint, and not have to watch and wait until my disease just gets, you know worse enough or until I get sick enough that a doctor will actually pay attention to me, not out of the fault of the doctor, but just the system that they're working in and within as well. At Miami, you know, we do recommend tracking and we have, it's an, it's an educated, experienced, non-medicalized non coach who helps guide you through the process of of what to track, when to track and how to identify the nuances between what your, what your body's feeling and, and how it's responding to the environment around you. So it's, it's a, it's an entirely separate expertise than the expertise of specialty medicine specialized. Right.
1: Medicine. Do the blood tests
2: for these triggers help or no? I would say that an individual knows themselves the best, and it's really important to trust yourself. Usually there is an, an antecedent. Usually there is an initial triggering event that, People can, if you create a timeline of your well-being, let's say, when was the last time you felt well? I would ask myself these types of questions. Um, What happened? You know, maybe it was a, and it can be, we're dealing with truly multifactorial. There is no one response. There is no one reason for why wheat is not the best choice or pasta is not the best choice for an individual with autoimmunity. Pasta is a refined carbohydrate. Pasta contains gluten. Pasta contains um, glyphosate on the gluten. And there's also such a thing as how the body deals with or interprets what that protein molecule or those pesticides are saying. So it's all of those things. And it might be related to low vitamin D as to why the body is not responding. So there's all of those things that are individual to to the person. So I would say testing can be helpful, but it also can be if you're doing it by yourself, be prepared to be searching for a needle in a haystack, or multiple needles that you can link together. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what many people are doing, in fact, um, in order to help solve their own health crises. And it, but it's but it's there is support available. You don't have to do it on your own. Right. And there and there is a lot of guidance. But you know these these one one size fits all diets can be just as much of a problem even if they're healthy as not, because then you end up going down a rabbit hole that might help make you better, but also might introduce new issues such as malnutrition or, you know, how do you, when do you get off the diet? Or what if you, there is a food on that diet that's also not good for you and causing additional
0: inflammation. The technology is getting better, right? And they will be useful. They can be useful. But one thing that I see the so people get these tests and they oftentimes come back with 12 foods that they react to 15 foods that they react to well that can be daunting right how do you take yes. and they may be things they're eating very commonly right and that we'll have to take all of these foods out oftentimes what that indicates is that they have leaky gut they they have a situation in their intestines that's supposed to be a very selective kind of gateway from inside your gut, which is really the outside right into your body. And when that breaks down, whether it's because your microbiome is disrupted and, or you um, have other reasons for inflammation in your gut, then you're leaking antigens across your gut and your body can then be reacting to everything, get that in order. And some of those foods that showed up as reactive you'll tolerate just fine. So you know, there's, there has to be real caution in interpreting some of those blood tests. So you find the right doctor, but how do you know that you're on the right track? Like I said, I do go back to, if you are feeling, particularly if you have a family history, it doesn't need to be the same thing you think you might have. If you have a parent who has rheumatoid arthritis or a, a grandparent who had thyroid disease and you're thinking, well, no, it's not my joints. And I don't think it's thyroid, but I it's, I'm, I'm not right still that history of having family members, as you mentioned, with some kind of autoimmunity does place you at higher risk. So you're feeling these things, you get yourself, like we said, a doctor that's listening, and then it is important that some blood work is done, right? It's important that you are assessed for any kind of organ damage or dysfunction that may already be showing up because those things need to be addressed differently than if it's okay, well, this looks like it's in a pre-autoimmune phase, right? So what I would say is if, if you go to somebody who is listening to you, doing the evaluation they need to do, and, and they say, look, your, your blood tests look okay, you don't have kidney dysfunction, your blood counts are okay, right? Your, your cardiac and lung function looks okay if you happen to have those kind of complaints, right? Um, you know, Your iron levels and your thyroid levels, they all look okay, all right? then that's when you really need to dig in and, and you need to find the doctor who says, but, but I hear you that you don't feel well. So let's support you in looking at the things in your life that could be contributing to this.
1: Okay. And that's
0: when I think you can feel safe saying, whether it's the Miami route or, or doing it some other way that you can assess your environment and how it's related to your symptoms. Um, that's when I'd say, okay, then you feel good about doing that. Now, if you do receive a diagnosis, by all means, you should certainly still be looking at those things because any medication, any treatment that you're given is going to work better if you're also removing all the burden of any foods you're intolerant to, any chemicals that you're reacting to, right? The, the, the poor quality of sleep that we know now sets the immune system up for dysfunction from the testing perspective,
1: would it be just general blood work is sufficient or is there a way for someone to be prepared when they go into their appointment? Like for example, if, they, if the symptoms potentially seem to indicate more thyroid, again, all the symptoms overlap with these conditions, You know, how can they push for doing research and being prepared to say, what about testing this, this, and this? So like if someone thinks thyroid, they know it should be more than TSH. Cause I just, you know, it's, it, it's just trying to figure out that right level of testing.
0: Right. 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 Uh, you know, and, I, and I don't want to push anyone to go get more testing than they of course, need to. Of right. Of course. Um, but I do think particularly when it comes to thyroid, that's a really common mistake that just a TSH is checked. And that is checking for thyroid stimulating hormone, um, which can often be normal in the setting of really frank thyroid dysfunction, right? So I think that um, without going into all those specifics, which we maybe we can cover on another um, yep. podcast, it is, it is doing a, a little bit of research on your own uh, for your particular condition, um, reaching out to the kind of support that that MIMI offers um, and these practitioners who are doing more than just looking at, do you fit a diagnostic category, right? Digging into more root cause and, and looking more deeply um, Millie, what are your suggestions for, for folks who, you know, are really looking to get a complete evaluation with, without, again, without like the huge price tag and of without, uh, you know, yep. without that unnecessary testing.
2: There's a lot of information that's being lost or leaked from just standard blood work. So for instance, if a physician is trained to look for pathology he or she might be neglecting the optimal value. So just because you're not out of normal range does not mean that the range that you're in is good. Vitamin C is a great one for that exactly and tsh so we know that a tsh higher than 2 is predisposing for metabolic disease which is high cholesterol and high blood sugar which can raise inflammation levels as well as flag any other inflammatory thyroid issue so if there's trends if you can look at your lab work over time for instance and say and and do a little research on what is the optimal versus the normal range that my tsh should be in and has it changed over the last few years like if it's under 2 or actually ideally 1 then that's perfect. Um, and even then there still might be something that's going on but less likely. But if you see it in the 3 area or like the 2.5, 3, 3.5 or 4 and your doctor's like, "No, it's fine." then you want to do some self-advocating. I mean, it really does become necessary to get some education on what you're looking at if this is something that you need to take on or pay somebody or, you know, to help you, which is There are ranges as to how much that costs and what can be uh, included under insurance as well as HSA and FSA. But somebody who's licensed, somebody who's functionally trained, naturopathically trained, or even a good functionally trained health coach um, can help you read your lab work and give you a second opinion on what else to to do. Or you can research it yourself and self-advocate, ask for more testing, go to another doctor, um, go to an independent lab, pay for a lab test and get the entire thyroid panel checked if that's, if that's what you're interested in. I mean, certainly if you have a swollen thyroid, if you have other symptoms um, and looking at your body for other symptoms. So if you're suspecting, oh, I don't believe it. You know, I'm cold. I have thinning eyebrows. My hair has dry, is dry. Um, I'm photosensitive, uh, you know, so there's other symptoms of low thyroid. It's not just uh, what, what the TSA, you are not your blood work, right? You are not right. the, that's not the totality That's just an indication and it's definitely possible and common that things are missed, especially as we're are, as we're developing chronic disease, because nobody gets diagnosed with chronic disease overnight, right? Chronic disease, bruise, that's the entire nature
0: of it. It's like, well, you're... even acute disease, Millie, right? I'd argue, yes. right. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, and, and acute disease becomes chronic as well. You right. know, what I mean? exactly. we're born exactly. and then we're dying, right? Like we're the rest of our life. And so if we're thinking like, how do we prevent, how can we turn our health around? I mean, and how you're feeling is like an extremely important measurement of how your health is. Right. Um, And so that's another thing, you know, to trust, like, as I mentioned before, this timeline of events, it's very important to pay attention to your own body, and the signals that your body is giving you. And it takes time to investigate, when am I most tired? Do I have good days? you know, when I have good days, what has surrounded that? What drains me? What gives me energy? And just asking ourselves these basic questions so that we Mm -hmm. can get it straight in our mind. You know, there's a lot of self-exploration that we need to do either independently or with the help of, you know, um, a holistic practitioner like Nikki suggested.
0: And and when you're feeling that miserable, that kind of investigation can be harder than it, than it already is. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the tough things, right? You know, what we're talking about here, it's not necessarily easy. You know, you tracking everything that you're eating and exposed to and how your symptoms are when you're tired and when you have brain fog and, um, it gets harder. So support really, really can go a long way to making it. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I also don't want to forget the thought, um, about when you're talking to your doctor, um, just in case people didn't gather, it is. Just because your symptoms are different than a family member's who has autoimmune disease doesn't mean you don't tell your doctor that they have that autoimmune disease because autoimmune disease is autoimmune disease. How it manifests in you may be different than your family member. So it sounds like it's relevant to still say, my mom has rheumatoid arthritis or my sister has Hashimoto's. Um, Okay. Absolutely. i to make sure that's, that's clear.
0: I'd also like to to mention that, you know, you may be looking, you may, for some reason, because your sister has Hashimoto's, right. And you're feeling tired and you've been constipated and you may think this is, this is consistent with thyroid disease. I be open-minded as well, because you may go in and find out it's not thyroid disease. This is some kind of autoimmune lupus-like syndrome, right. Or this is all early RA, believe it or not, rheumatoid arthritis, right? So, so also it can be hard once you kind of hone in on something, maybe online. Um, I've had people come to me and they're sure they have a certain diagnosis because it was consistent and, and it may be, but it doesn't mean that that is either all you have or absolutely your diagnosis. So, so stay open-minded as well. Okay. Yeah. I think setting up expectations
2: is actually really important. And you know, granted, very difficult when you're fatigued. Mm -hmm. Um, So but it is so important to find yourself a care team and to have realistic expectations, and awareness as to what each member of that team does, and what their expertise is. Mm -hmm. So for instance, your family doctor might be an excellent diagnostician able to run, you know, tests for you and tell you if you have something or not refer you to a specialist. But to expect that the family doctor is also trained in supplements and uh, you know give can give you the time that that another type of you know a more holistic provider can, they can't. You really do need to ex- expand your care team to find somebody who you feel supported by. And that's really important. We have to, um, you know, and maybe it's not a, a sign of an of an imperfect world, right? But we do have to live within this imperfect world in order to find our answers and to work with what's available to us, what's helpful to us, what's constructive. Um, it, it, the, the people who live with chronic disease, the best have a, have adjusted their mindset to knowing that they have a team of providers, these, you know, this one does this for me, this one does this for me, and I do this for myself and, and it's easier over time.
1: So you go to your primary care doctor or your OBGYN, and then you potentially get referred out, right. And we know that for a lot of these conditions, there are pharmaceutical products. I know that with Miami, there's a lot of things in your program that you're helping people adjust with lifestyle, diet, toxin removal, and all these other things. Um, But I think when we were preparing, you were saying like, there's certainly benefits to the the pharmaceuticals as well in certain cases. So can you help us just understand what, and I know the world is changing, but from what you guys are seeing so far, are we going to get to a point where if we all change our environment, we can start eliminating these things and having to take all the meds or not, are we
0: not even close? So I would say that one of the things to be aware of is that really the goal of, of whether it's your rheumatologist or it happens to be that your predominant symptoms are gastrointestinal. So you're seeing a gastroenterologist, you're seeing an endocrine doctor because it's thyroid, um, whatever it is, their goals and your goals should be aligned. Okay. They should also have the goal that they get you to a point where your disorder, your disease, your condition is the least active it can absolutely be hopefully in remission with the least amount of medication possible. Okay. And in order to do that, I'd argue there's no way to really fulfill that goal without taking into account lifestyle medicine as well. Okay. So I would say you certainly should be looking for someone who as Millie said, probably can't do it on their own, but is very supportive of your work to go and explore these things on your own. No one wants the problem of polypharmacy and side effects of medications. And these are real problems. And I I think that, no, Miami would never come out and say, uh, we can get you off drugs because there, there are people who absolutely to save their life require these medications. And, We are very lucky that there have been great strides in the treatment of autoimmune disease in the last few decades, but they're not a panacea. They come with lots of side effects, right? They don't work for everyone. Sometimes they work in people and then stop working years later. So that can't be it. And what I would say is think of it like the way our consciousness now thinks about diabetes and cardiovascular disease. We would never now expect to go to any kind of practitioner to be treated for heart disease or diabetes, and not hear about what we should do on our own with our diet, with our exercise to help co-manage this. We would expect to get some medications, right? Maybe for our blood pressure, for our you know, insulin, but it would be absolute, like, you know, sub-care, suboptimal care, to not hear what we can do on our own with lifestyle. And that's the way it should be for autoimmune disease. There's a, there's a
2: picture of, you know, a woman juggling all these medications Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, conventional healthcare wisdom, and then juggling all these supplements and lifestyle and meditation and yoga wisdom. And there's a timing over dosage. There's a limit to how much you can take. That's going to make you feel better. More is not better. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a moderate, the we do need to approach our health with primarily compassion for ourselves, (laughs) because there's a limit to what we can take, what we can consume, what we can do right now, that's going to help us get better. And there is somewhat of an intuitive or, you know, just self-directed way, go towards things that help you feel better, that are supportive and just work through that. If you take a medication, it should help you. It shouldn't make you sicker same thing with a supplement, it should help you. And it can be difficult to understand if that supplement or that medication is helping. But those types of investigations do need to be done, as well as the investigation as to when is enough? Is this hurting me is also very real, you know, which we do hear patients like might ask their doctor or or their neighbor. <laughs> is it possible that this is making me sick? No, you know, and be told, no, it's not possible. So we do need to have compassion and patience for ourselves, but then also, you know, it's as much nurture as it is chemical improvement and more chemicals on whatever side
0: don't necessarily help. If you're a person who finds yourself taking, regularly taking three, four, five medications, just to get through your day, just symptom control, right? You're taking some pain medication, some anti-inflammatory, some antihistamine, maybe then you're taking a sleeping pill, and that's a sign. So when you're asking what should people be looking for, that is definitely a sign that something's not in balance, right? And you're not solving any of these problems, right? Continuing to put Band-Aids on things like that. That's a time to really take a different look. And if you've already seen your doctor and that's still where you are, it's time to get a different opinion. Um, okay. And and I love that that image. I know what image Millie's talking about, a, a person trying to juggle all the different medication things on this side and all the different things we're bombarded with now about yes. lifestyle changes, right? And I'd argue that you really need a professional to guide you through both of those things. The body can heal itself. <laughs> it's
2: not only that we age and get sicker. We can also age and get healthier. We can. Um, biologic, chronologically age and get biologically younger. And we see this women are incapable of conceiving a baby at 30 and at 35, they're capable because they've dedicated themselves to finding out how to, how their bodies can work better. And there are ways to assist our bodies to work better, but the chemicals, whether they be natural or um, synthetic can only get us so far. They don't replace the actual awareness, um, stress reduction, sleep, eating healthy, waste elimination, hydration, that we can do for ourselves that have really been suppressed. The importance of taking care of ourselves as we take care of a four-year-old child has not been encouraged in our medical society. And we really need to return to that in order that our bodies can cope with the stress,
1: chemical burden, environmental um, challenges of our everyday life. Can you have multiple autoimmune conditions? And here's why I'm asking, because you were talking about how, oh, if it's gastrointestinal, you should go to a gastroenterologist. Um, you know, if it's you know, thyroid related, go to the endocrinologist. And, you know, I've seen time and time again with myself, with friends that I know, and you see it on social media posting, like you're basically like as the patient without having the expertise managing a team. And so let's say I'm going to a gastroenterologist and I'm still not getting
0: better. How would I know if, oh, you know what? Maybe I should add the endocrinologist to my plate. Yeah. Not only is it possible to have more than one autoimmune disease, it's actually not that uncommon at all. In fact, there, there are a couple of syndromes known as, um, multiple autoimmune syndrome. Um, but those, those are particular, uh, and a com- particular set of different autoimmune problems. But even apart from those, um, we see plenty of people. I've had plenty of patients that have more than one real clear autoimmune diagnosis. Um, the other thing that is important to know about this is that the way we label autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis. Well, rheumatoid arthritis is a systemic illness. It can cause terrible kind of general fatigue and malaise there are people that get lung damage from rheumatoid arthritis right you can get gi you know problems from rheumatoid arthritis Th- these are systemic conditions so i mean people with psoriasis right you think oh that's a skin condition well up to 20% of them go on to get an inflammatory arthritis right eye involvement inflammatory eye involvement comes along with some of these autoimmune diseases that are you know thought of as Arthritis problems. So sometimes, yeah, you're dealing with all these different organs that are manifesting problems. And it is all really because your single diagnosis is causing all that. It's just we think of it the wrong way. There's systemic problems. Typically, what I'd say, I mean, to get in the weeds on it, if you are diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, you are generally seeing a rheumatologist if it is an arthritis predominant problem, if it's lupus or if it's a vascular problem, if it's a gastrointestinal predominant problem, which often comes with an arthritis along with it, but something like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, you're generally managed by a gastroenterologist, but that person will often refer to a rheumatologist to help co-manage if you do develop the arthritis. Got it. Thyroid, we'll go to an endocrine doctor, multiple sclerosis, sees a neurologist, right? So if you do feel like you have symptoms that aren't really being fully addressed by your specialist and it's not a rheumatologist, often the rheumatologist is the one then to see because they're they very used to dealing with these you know, wide systemic problems that come up in every organ system. The
2: statistic is 50%. Once you're diagnosed with one autoimmune disease, you have a
0: 50% chance of developing a second and a third. Okay. It's a great point. If you're seeing any doctor who won't happily speak with your other doctors and coordinate care, you need to see a different doctor.
1: Where do you see the ideal state and state of care for autoimmune conditions? I mean, I I imagine it's some sort of cross-functional team where you have the work of what Miami's doing plus what these specialists do and trying to figure out you know, where all these triggers are and how the medication fits in. So I would think that that's some sort of generalized ideal state. You know, I'd be curious from this, this care system of where we need to be evolving to, to optimize the care that these patients are receiving.
2: There's a lot, there is a lot of
1: education required,
2: I think to include a holistic perspective in healthcare. I mean, if you're seeing specialists and they're telling you they can't help you, then it's likely a lifestyle issue. Um, because specialists know what they work with extremely well. They are specialists in that area. And if they don't have an answer for you, it's likely because it's not in their realm. And um, oftentimes what we're seeing, especially when it comes to inflammatory and intolerance, I mean, there's a sidelining of the importance of other forms of knowledge And, you know, historically, maybe it's traditional and of course we hear quack and we hear, you know, like we hear all of this type of non-scientific pseudoscience. But in fact, what these practitioners do is work with them to help reestablish normal physiology in the body and are paying attention to the details and the nuances of what we're exposed to and what our body's responding to even if it's before the pathological happens and even if it's very complicated in terms of generating um, multi-organ or systemic inflammation. So there's, there needs to be conversations aligning that are integrative between the two healthcare systems. Cause we definitely live in a multi-tiered system and there are so many patients in need who are just never exposed to the type of healthcare that they really um, would benefit from because, you know, the health, because they're not covered by insurance, or because they're not, you know, supported or known about by the conventional system. And to me, that's an absolute tragedy, because in fact, that that healthcare oftentimes tends to be simpler and what you can do at home and yeah, cheaper know. and it can't, the, it cheaper and permanent. Um, which is not to say you don't continually have to work on it, but you invest once you learn a lot of information, and then it's
0: you're you're you can work with that information for a long time. I we're, we're we're just so behind in autoimmunity uh, compared to some other fields. You know, I brought up cardiovascular medicine and and treatment of diabetes. I mean, you can look at it also, um, the, the way say an orthopedic surgeon works, right? If you go in with shoulder pain, you're going to get an evaluation from an orthopedic surgeon. And he may say that you have, you know, pre-surgical disease, right? And you need just PT, right? It's not just meaning, oh, well, it's, you know, again, woo woo, snake oil. No, it's absolutely healing. You don't need surgery because this will get better with PT. You 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 may go in and they may say, oh, this requires arthroscopic surgery, or you may go in and they may say, oh, at this point you need a total a total shoulder. Right. Well, that's the way it should be with autoimmunity. Right. We should you should be able to go to somebody and say, listen, you fortunately you don't have organ dysfunction at this time. Right. Your 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 the measures of of you know these important bodily functions are working, but clearly you know. It, something's off. Okay, so I don't need to put you on an immune suppressive drug right now, but boy, we need to get on this before you do need one, and that's when these these other approaches, these lifestyle medicine approaches, should come in, and they should be just as much a part of your medical care as PT is to a surgeon, or you know, as as cardiovascular rehab is for cardiac medicine,
2: right?
0: And it, we're 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 slowly getting there there are plenty of, of really dedicated researchers who are working on trying to figure out how do you place somebody in a risk category for autoimmune disease? You know, we're used to this now for cardiovascular disease. You go in and get a cardiac risk score. You come out with a number, right? It combines your age and your cholesterol and inflammatory markers. And you come out and, and if you have a high risk, they don't say do nothing and wait till you have a heart attack. They do something about it. Right. Right. Change your diet, change your activity level, right? And yeah, maybe you need to go on a statin. This is what it needs to be in, in autoimmunity. So, what
1: would you recommend? Do you, um, if someone were to prioritize, is it trying to do the lifestyle first or the medication, or does it depend on how severe it is? Because I, I think you had mentioned that you know the medication shouldn't be forever, and they do need to change lifestyle to potentially help the medication work better and potentially get off. Um, so, is it the severity? Um, that impacts like if we were in this world where they finally got it and treated it like heart disease and diabetes, Mm -hmm. you know, would it be the diet and lifestyle changes
0: that, you know, you're finding are effective Mm -hmm. would come first. Right. I mean, that, that, that is, we're not there yet, but that would be part of your regular workup the way your internist does your cholesterol, your fasting cholesterol, right. And does, does, you know, a fasting glucose and a hemoglobin A1C to see if you're pre-diabetic. That's what should be happening. We don't quite have, we're not sophisticated enough to get a good measure of that yet. So people are already symptomatic when they're going in, but, but I hear you, you know, if somebody's symptomatic, um, I don't know, Millie, Millie may have a different opinion on this. I do think it's worth seeing a rheumatologist. I think, I think it's worth getting, getting that evaluation. There are plenty of great rheumatologists out there and, they can assess whether or not there's something that really is more immediately threatening and needs a more aggressive push. And if not, hopefully they're supportive and can do a little guidance for you to get you onto kind of a lifestyle regimen, but, but they're, they're, they're probably not gonna be able to give you the kind of guidance that would be really supportive that as Millie said, that Miami can do, that a functional medicine practitioner can do, somebody else who's doing integrative care can do. What
2: I know that can be prevented right now, I've absolutely no problem with people going to a rheumatologist. That be, But the issue is, is that if the rheumatologist says, I can't help you, I'm sorry, then to be stuck in a five to seven year yep. bubble of being gaslit right. by right. every doctor and recommended every other therapeutic sleep aid, antidepressant, anti-anxiety, uh, laxative, For the rest of your life, which is just getting you into further trouble, developing your autoimmune disease worse when all the time there's an entire field of experts over there ready to help you that have just not been considered properly by the medical system. It's extremely uh, painful, disheartening to watch people have to go through that when the help is there. They're just not being told about it. And... We could be preventing so many cases of autoimmune disease. The watching and waiting is just a, a, a terrible system. And it's all because of the way the healthcare system triages patients. Yeah, It's because we're based on sick care, like Nikki opened, as opposed to honoring the patient's experience and encouraging the, the patient to engage within their own lifestyle habits and saying, you know, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You don't have lupus maybe you should try gluten removal or maybe, you know, maybe you should see a health coach or maybe you should do something else, right. That's holistic as opposed to being, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, which is what patients are being told. If the specialist doesn't know they're being told there's nothing wrong with them. And and then, like you said, then giving a prescription for sleep aid or, you know, chasing yeah, and, diagnoses and, for the next 10 years that are just inaccurate going through the pain and trauma and suffering of being misdiagnosed also their bodies breaking down because of this polypharmacy and 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 not paying attention to the things where they need to pay attention to which is their their health and you know their their mental health their emotional health and their physical well-being
0: i come at this from both the physician but also patient perspective so, you know, we don't need to get into that, but I have been through this. So I'm not just speaking from the other side of the desk. Um, I, I've gone through being on autoimmune medications and um, not getting help, labs not getting better. So it wasn't just feeling bad. I had um, concerning labs uh, and ending up because I didn't, there was no Miami at the time. I ended up uh, at a functional medicine, wonderful functional medicine doctor, um, And I'm happy to say uh, I'm feeling much better with with normal labs. Um, And I did it through
1: diet lifestyle changes. Amazing, and it's funny, you you prompted me because that's exactly what I was going to say is tell us your story because I think both of you had your own frustrations um, where you were and have made this transition because of that. And so, um, and I, I honestly, I hear it so much. It's either women who are frustrated, who maybe weren't medically trained, who either decide to go into the field or do something like what I'm doing with this podcast, or Mm -hmm. someone who was an MD or a different field is like, that's it. I'm going into functional medicine. So it's it's really interesting. It's going to be, I'm really excited to see where healthcare is evolving. People are all trying. I think it's hard because it's a capitalistic system. And my concern, honestly, is there's so many companies that are popping up that I'm concerned now patients will be overwhelmed because now it's, Who do you trust and who's doing an effective job? But I do encourage folks, if you want to better understand what Miami does, I know we very much glossed over it today. Um, Definitely listen to the episode with Meta Derber because she goes into great detail about her story, why she founded um, Miami and and how it's actually able to help those who are struggling. So definitely encourage that that episode. Um, So is there anything that we missed in this
0: conversation? I know we covered quite a bit. You know, I would just say that I, I want people to take away from this that even if you've been to seven doctors and even if you've been struggling for seven years and you feel like you've tried everything, right? You can, you can feel better. You can find a life where you are not controlled by your symptoms and at the mercy of whether you wake up feeling well and you're able to do what you want to with your children, with your spouse, for your job, you you can. And it's, it's not as easy as taking a pill. It simply isn't, but you do have some control over it. It's heartening.
2: I, I agree with all of that. I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's extremely new territory for many people to consider themselves as an active participant in their healthcare in a way that breaks the mold, goes beyond what their doctor's telling them. But there there is that option of investing in yourself in a different way in order to find the results. I mean, if the was, if the route that you're taking right now is not helping you, then there are that, you know, turn to the
1: left instead of to the right, there is help for you. So that's what I'd like people to know. Really interesting. And I'm excited about where this field is going. So I actually do have one last question. If you have a minute, I want to know what is a fun fact about you that you want to share?
2: I'm a massive Dylan fan. I, Are you? yes, I am. Uh, that's my side passion. If I could go back to college and get a new degree, I would get it in Bob Dylan studies. And no way. <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely, uh, love his, uh, I really love his um, message for the people, for the times, how he explores the emotional realms. And um, yeah, I'm a super fan. I travel around to to see him play. No I have a, I'm in a Dylan fan club and
1: uh, yeah, at 80 years old, he's just uh, the best. <laughs> I think he's the oh best. Oh my gosh, that is a really fun fact. I have a neighbor who's like really into Dave Matthews and she gets tickets three weeks before they go on sale and is like <laughs> posting on Facebook all the time about
0: it. It's hilarious. I love it. What about you, Nikki? You're smiling. Did you come up with, like, what's your passion? Trying to come up with something that's fun or interesting. Um, I, I will say that I, before deciding to go to medical school, I was a drama major and Ooh. I still have, I'm, I'm not giving up hope for that, that for that Oscar one day. So <laughs> when I finish with this, that's what's coming next.
1: Oh, that is not see. Everyone has a fun fact. I know that when <laughs> we're with ourselves all day long, we think it's not interesting, but I think both of those are so cool. And I really <laughs> appreciate you sharing. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I I think it's fun to do it on the spot because then people really have to think and, I, and it gets a smile on their face. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you too. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 of social media algorithms. Love today's insights? Show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast. Your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at Fenpower Health. It lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey, amplifying the voices that need to be heard. And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge, neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stages, ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com drop us a message on social media, or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions. And remember, the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys, and it's not an endorsement by Fenpower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time, and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.